Hello and welcome to this episode of Super eh. Super Star Wars Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we're continuing our discussion of Star Wars Rebels with Season 2, Episodes 14 and 15. Joining me is Sarah Hayashi. Uh, Riki cannot join us today, but but Sarah and I are going to be talking about what's really kind of a, a great stretch of episodes here. All that more after a crucial break we have no control over. Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. I'm joined as I said by Sarah Hayashi. You know, and Sarah, um, I'm definitely missing Riki today. I'm sure that you, you like, he's been gone for a couple weeks by now. But at least your other husband showed up. We get to talk in this first episode about Hondo Anaka. Uh, sorry, Riki who? Yeah, Hondo Anaka yeah. is uh, all I care about <laughs> right now. There you go. There you go. So, uh, and we're talking here about uh, Edgen 14. Eh, we're talking here about episode 14, Legends of Lasat. I'll give a quick summary of it. Following a tip from Hondo, the ghost crew recruit. Eh. Following a tip from Hondo, the ghost crew rescues a pair of Lasats from Imperial custody, Chava the Wise and Gron, who both recognize Zeb as captain of the Lasan Honor Guard. Chava and Gron, Chava and Gron explain that they are searching for the mythical world of Lirasan, where the surviving Lasats can find refuge. However, Zeb is reluctant to help due to his guilt over failing to protect Lasat from the Empire. Lasan from the Empire. With some encouragement from Ezra, Zeb transforms his bow rifle into its true form and combines it with Shava's staff, revealing Lyrasan's revealing location in an uncharted wild space. However, they find their way blocked by a dense cluster of black holes while Agent Callus pursues them. Trusting in Shava's wisdom, Zeb uses the energy from the bow rifle to create a protective field around the ghost, allowing it to navigate the black hole cluster safely. On the other side, they find the world of Lyrasan, which is the true home of the Lasat people. After dropping off Shava and Gran, Zeb decides to stay on the ghost in order to find more Lasat survivors to guide back to Lirasan. It is in this episode that the ancient names of the side of the Force are first revealed by Shava, calling the light side the Ashla and the dark side the Bogan, and repeated by the Bendu and Atalan in a later episode of Rebels. <clears throat> so yeah, um... Uh, this summary doesn't really mention the fact that Han- this, I think this is Hondo Hondoing at like the best Hondoing. Like this is this is top level Hondo, yeah, right? This is peak Hondo. I I mean I I know that it is a Lasat heavy episode, especially with like like plot wise, but uh-huh. character wise, I mean I don't know. Maybe I'm like a smidge biased, but I think Hondo yeah. really uh, stands out. I think it's a nice it's a nice balance because you're right. It is very much a character driven episode. We get so much more about Zeb, mm-hmm. uh, Gera Zeb, as we actually learned his full. I think we've heard that before. But. Yeah, Harris <clears throat> full named him in mom <clears throat> mode, but yeah. Right. That so we get to hear that again, and I mean all the stuff about the Lasat, all the stuff about Zeb is so good, and we'll get to. But yeah, it was just Hondo is in this episode. He's double crossing everyone and anyone at any point in time. He's, you know, it's clear that he has an affection for Ezra. He cares about the ghost crew. But he's not going to, like, put himself at risk. And if the Empire captures him, he's happily going to sell them out, too. Well, I think he cares about not dying as well, right? Like, he's got to stay in the good books of the Empire. So, like, the the whole setup is that, like, Ezra gets this tip from Hondo. He doesn't reveal it's from Hondo, first of all. He just mm-hmm. says, like, oh, it's just a hot tip, guys. Let's go. Um, and it seems like Ezra's, or sorry, pardon, Hondo's told Ezra, like, hey, I've got these two 
Lasat for you, and I'm, it's just me going to meet you, when in reality he's selling them to the Empire. He's like, oh, right. I knew you'd fly in and rescue them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, you know, so on the one hand, he's selling them to the Empire. You think he, he is rooting for them all to get away. Mm-hmm. But then later, he again puts a tracker, like when, when they get away, but the Empire captures him, you know, he's sort of like, oh no, what am I going to do? And he again uh, kind of helps them to capture, <clears throat> he again helps them to capture Ezra and all that, or at least to almost capture Ezra. But Ezra and Kane and all them are smart enough, they figure out a way to get away, and uh, as we said, with Zeb doing all this crazy stuff. And then at the end of it, uh, Hondo's like, oh, I, I always knew that would happen. Clearly, this was a, a good partnership for us. So if you just pay me my twenty percent, everything will be fine. And Ezra just says, "No, I'm. I'm you betrayed us. I'm not paying you." Yeah. Well, even like re- I was gonna say, even before that, like when he he meets mm-hmm. them up and he's like, "So where's my finder's fee? So you're not gonna give me my finder's fee now?" And Ezra's like, "You were never gonna get it in the first place." Yeah. And Honda like wipes a tear from his eye, like, "I've taught you so well. I'm so proud." And at that end scene, it's just it's exactly that. It's like, "I'm so proud of you. Mm-hmm. I always knew that you would come along." Like it's so clear that he's like, "Yeah, he would like to get paid," but mostly he just. He just loves Ezra. He has this like uh-huh. parental relationship with Ezra that is just like, I want to raise you to be scum and villainy of the universe just the way I am. Yeah, and I do I do think his like selling them out moments are like I don't know. I feel like it's it's not quite like we saw with Princess Leia doing this like faux, okay, I'm a friend of the Empire thing. But I think right. he is like trying to help them get away while staying in the Empire's good books. Like when um they initially come up to him and ask Hondo like where the rebel he's like oh I don't know um maybe if you pay me and then they threaten him and he's like oh I think they might have gone this direction actually yeah and then um again they ask Hondo to help track the rebels and he's like I don't know maybe we should talk about money first like and how would yeah. I actually track them he's like, we know you have a tracking device on them Hondo's like yeah you're right I was just about to say that bro like let's go and even then like when they or Callus confronts the the rebels they put Hondo on and he's like, I had a tracking device in your communicator, right? Like telling them exactly where the tracking device is so Mm -hmm. they can destroy it. And like, he says it was for insurance purposes. Like I fully believe that tracking device was on the communicator Mm -hmm. the entire time. Like he didn't put it there specifically to track them for the empire or anything like that. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you, if you draw a line from like the most betrayal of like a Lando Calrissian who Mm -hmm. like does come back to the right side, but is, straight up betraying our heroes to Darth Vader and Boba Fett to like Leia where like clearly she is just lying through her teeth to Leia who is just clearly lying through her teeth the whole time I think Hondo's somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. you know I think like he he's trying to set things up so that it looks to the Imperials like they he he you know made Ezra and then the fall guys but he thinks he's giving Ezra enough room to wiggle out mm-hmm. but if there's ever a situation at least from what we know of Hondo so far where Ezra actually isn't able to wiggle out and is killed, or they all are captured, Hondo's not going to risk his life to save them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he's going to totally. be like, "Well, you were great. You didn't survive. Oh well. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll raise a, a toast to your memory." Yes, you know? exactly. Yeah, Hondo loves Hondo, money, and then like somewhere down there is Ezra, like below that. But yeah, I, I think it's for him. I think we talked about this a bit before. It's just it's all a game, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's like this is the game. I love the game. Like, sometimes we're going to betray each other in the game, and sometimes we're going to get killed, and that's just how it works. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he's just... It, it's just so nice, especially, having just come off uh, Cad Bane and Boba Fett and all that. Yeah. <laughs> Cad Bane is just a straight-up, like, 
you know, the man in the black hat from a Western. Like, mm-hmm. he is just, you know, gritty and real and, and like, going to kill you. And Hondo is just having so much more fun with it. Oh, yeah. Um, 100%. Okay, so let's talk about the actual uh, real oh, story here. Fine. Um, <laughs> I mean, Hondo is just such a good, like, setting up piece for everything. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, what did you think of the uh, actual story we get? Yeah, I think it's, it's really... St- sweet um especially uh another episode we're about to talk about um i think is it homecoming um mm-hmm. where yeah so not the next episode that one we're actually gonna do next week yeah oh okay yeah sorry um but yeah an, an upcoming episode that deals more with like zeb's background um mm-hmm. to, to sort of lay this down and i think it really helps flesh out like zeb's guilt and it he's guilty for no reason it seems like like he's guilt he feels guilty because he didn't single-handedly stop the empire from destroying his planet which is like completely unrealistic right like i don't think there's anything he could have done but he still feels that like super guilt about it and the the fact that we learned that he was a captain of the honor guard and like ezra's shocked by this and it turns out like even uh like Hera is too kanan might have known kanan rescued Mm -hmm. him from um lusan but yeah, it, and he's just like, I don't know, so anti Lasat stuff, or just like doesn't want to be mm-hmm. considered a hero for for them because he feels like he's not. Um, and then you've got like Chava, who's very like she's the spirit, she's a spiritual leader, and right. her kind of like hippy dippy, it'll all be okay. <clears throat> here's the prophecy. Speak clearly, yeah, there's, there's great. A wonderful prophecy about like how. The three people who will lead them are the child, the warrior, and the fool. Mm-hmm. And and Zeb is trying to figure out, okay, who is who? Like, I don't think I'm the child. I'm the warrior. Maybe Callus is the fool. Maybe Ezra's the child. Until eventually he realizes that he's all three. Mm-hmm. And that it's about his journey. And, yeah, to me it was so beautiful because I think you're right that, like, you know, if he sits down with a therapist, the therapist could be like, dude, you couldn't have done anything to save this. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, like, if a random person on the SOT felt that way, I'd be like, this is major, major, like, what in the world are you talking about? Mm-hmm. He's part of the honor guard, you know? I, and so I'm guessing to him, like, he probably swore an oath to, like, you know, defend the lives of, you know, the royalty or whatever mm-hmm. with his life. And granted, the overwhelming force that they faced, one person in the honor guard was never going to stop. But you get that idea of why he... Why he, you know, felt so abandoned and why he, not even abandoned, but why he felt he had to step away from all of this. Totally. But part of what comes up is he thinks at this point that he is the only living Lassat left. Like, he has no idea. And so, yeah, I mean, trying to, like, hold on to a a dead culture like that, I can just see being, like, something he just wants nothing to do with. Yeah. And even this, like, yeah, like, the whole survivor guilt thing, totally get Mm -hmm. that. Um, But, yeah, like like you're saying, trying to hold on to this culture, like, it feels like he doesn't want to hope anymore. Like, yeah. hoping that there are other survivors or, like, other um, Lasats around has probably, like, really worn him down. And then finding these two who are like, we're off to go find our home planet, which is riddled with Lasats. Totally. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Right? I think he's just kind of like, I can't, I can't get my hopes up anymore because I've right. been so crushed and so disappointed. In, in a weird way... I don't even know if the if the writers of this episode knew this because I think this book comes later. But I've referenced a couple of times the book that's kind of Kanan's origin story, where he is just like living his life as a pilot and trying not to have anything to do with anything, just keep his head down because he's lost all hope and all faith. Mm-hmm. Until he winds up running into this pilot who he just wants to flirt with 
and go on a date with, <laughs> but it turns out she's actually really into this resistance thing, the rebellion thing called Hera Syndulla. Um <clears throat> And and again, like I think it, and again, I think there's a really nice parallel between Kanan's story and Zeb's story that we get here, because because by the end Zeb does have faith, and Zeb is the one. Like everyone on the ship is like, "What are you doing? You're taking us into this black hole cluster." And he's like, "No, trust me, I got this." Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the fact that he's not, he doesn't just stay on. Lyrason either he he goes back with the rebels is nice because I mean like I love Zeb as a character and I don't want him right. to leave mid season two, but like this the idea that he's gonna go find more Lasat yeah. and bring them back right like he went from thinking he was the literal only survivor he didn't want to be like right. dissuaded otherwise to like I'm gonna go find more there are more and I think one thing I really like about that is it would be easy for this to be a story of like that there's something special about Zeb that makes him you know, one more chosen one story where he's literally the only person who can bring people there. He's the only person who can do this. Mm-hmm. But clearly that's not true because there's a bunch of Lasat already there. And so, like, they don't actually tell us, but I think in my head canon at least, there's a number of these wisdom women, like like Chava, you know, so-and-so the wise, each of whom have found someone who is the fool, the child, and the warrior. And, like, so there's a number of these Lasats who are carrying survivor's guilt and who are going on this journey um to be able to bring people there and i just i just i, I love that it's not just it, it is zeb's story but it's not just him yeah totally and i think that at the end reveal of like the fool the child the warrior is everybody all like we we all go through them at one point in our life it is nice because yeah like zeb is special right, right. like but he's not the special one he's yeah. just like a special one and this idea that like it's all of us. Yeah, because I mean, I too, with the, when the episode was on, I was like, okay, so the, is the fool Honda because he brought them there? And the child's Ezra. Oh no, the child has to be a Lasat. Okay, so the child is Zeb. Is the warrior Callus? Like, yeah, going yeah, through that whole thing. Right, and no. then just be like, it's you. It was all <laughs> it was all you all the time. You're like, oh, okay. One other thing from this episode I really like, and it's just a nice bit of world building. Uh, and I will say the episode summary we wrote, I think, gives a bad uh, take on this. I mean, so I, I, I want to say just how it appears in the episode itself. Um, <clears throat> as you said, they believe in this kind of like spiritual, like deity kind of, but it's not, it's not like a deity, like the kind of, you know, a big man in the clouds with a big white beard. It's more just kind of like a, a spiritual force, not, mm-hmm. not force with a capital, with a lowercase lower <laughs> F, that's the point. And, and she describes it and she calls it the Ashla and Kanan says, oh, okay, that's your word for the force. And she says, you have the force, we have the Ashla. Mm-hmm. And it's a subtle difference because I, I like the idea of that they like that there's this divine thing, the force, however you want to think of it. Like maybe it's divinity, maybe it's just like a, a physics thing, and I hate that part of it. But like you know, however you see it, whatever level of spirituality you do or don't give to it, what he says is a very I mean he means it well, but it's this thing that like especially I think like Christians do all the time, where it's like, oh, okay, well, like, you know. Buddha is is giving you a version of Christianity, like it's it's a it's a partial truth, and we'll give you the full truth. You know, our version is the real one, but you all have your own versions of our real truth. And her response is to say, "You have the force, we have the Ashla." It, it puts them on equal terms, you know. And it's this idea of again here, I'm 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 probably projecting a lot because of my own just feelings of like divinity and and metaphor and stuff. But I've always liked the idea that like. You know, even if there is kind of one central sacred whatever, like, you know, polytheists will disagree, and that's also totally fine. But that, like, 
you know, religion is all just about trying to find the metaphor that explains it. And mm -hmm. and I'm going to use one metaphor, and someone else is going to use a different metaphor, and it's going to look very different because of that. But my metaphor is better, and their metaphor is better. And yeah, I, I just really like that because we do get so much of like the force is just sort of the uber religion for everything. Um, and so I love the way it's presented here. Yeah, totally. Like we get a little bit of it with the Night Sisters, and I know we talked about yeah. them at length. Um, but yeah, yeah, and I completely agree. This like not even shutting down, but just, like, a subtle, like, mm -hmm. maybe the Force is just a different word for Ashla, like, yeah. right? Like, you're Kanan centering his own experience as, like, exactly. the default normalized experience. Yeah, and I think, like, we all do that. Just, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I was, when you were taught, saying this, I was, like, reminded of when I was learning Japanese, I was like, how come sometimes numbers are written normally and sometimes they're written in kanji? Oh. And yeah. Riku was like, normally? normally? What do you mean? Yeah. I'm like, oh, right, no! I yeah. did it. Um, yeah. I mean, these things we're just taught are the default, and so we yeah. see everything through those terms. And it's just, it's a good reminder of like that, you know, that that everything is subjective in those kind of ways. Totally, yeah. And and like just the, mm -hmm. again, the world building of like the Force or mm -hmm. Ashla or whatever you'd like to call it exists in multiple different forms, or at least like is interpreted in multiple different ways. Um, is really mm -hmm. nice because we've always kind of like talked, especially with the Night Sisters, about how like it can't just be the Jedi and the Sith, and then, like, right. full stop, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know that Ahsoka, we've seen her in the show, that she is very pointedly saying, like, I'm not a Jedi, and she's mm -hmm. a light force user, in the same way that I think the Night Sisters are um, uh, dark force users, but they're not Sith. But even then, like, they're still using the force. Here's yeah. this idea that's a totally different word, so. Well, don't, and they, um, they call it, like, magics, but yeah, it's basically, yeah. like, yeah. <clears throat> uh, any other last things about this episode before we move on to the next one? Uh, nothing comes to mind. The bow rifle right. thing was really neat and like totally makes yeah. sense why it's called a bow rifle now. But yeah. 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 And something really nice, especially about the warrior, about like it, it converting into this thing of like spiritual protection. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, episode 15, The Call. The ghost crew is on a mission to capture a fuel cell. Yeah, actually, do you want to read it? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, the ghost crew is on a mission to capture a, fu a fuel shipment from the mining guild to the Empire in order to restock the rebel fleet's own dwindling supplies. While traveling to the guild's asteroid refinery, the ghosts encounter a flock of Pergil, space-traveling creatures whom Hera considers dangerous. However, Ezra manages to establish contact with them through the Force and learns about his crew and the Pergil actually... and learns that the... Pardon me. Through the Force and learns that his crew... And the, this is such a weird sentence. I'm sorry. Yeah. Such a you are actually, and the start, start actually the the same. Okay. However, Ezra manages to establish contact with him through the Force and learns that his crew and the Purgle actually pursue, pursue the same basic goal, if for slightly different priorities. Upon reaching the Mining Gold's base, the crew finds the Mining Guild attempting to exterminate the Purgle. Kanan decides to raid the base, steal the shipment, while igniting the rest of the fuel to create a diversion. However, Ezra stops him when he realizes that the Purgle also need the fuel. When it appears as if the Mining Guild forces will overwhelm the crew, the Purgle arrive and attack the Mining Guild, giving the crew the time they need to escape with the fuel. As the ghost flies away, the crew witness the Purgle going into hyperspace, confirming rumors that there are migratory species, species, captor, <laughs> there are migratory <laughs> species capable of faster-than-light travel without technology. Yeah. So during our Clone Wars coverage, we would often talk about how Obi-Wan was just the sort of um, Steve Irwin of this universe, you know, and that he always could get along with the animals. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to talk about this even more next week, but I just love that that's where they're going with Ezra as well. Like Ezra is just always the one 
I think in a lot of ways, Kanan is still stronger in the Force than Ezra is. Maybe Ezra has more potential, but Kanan certainly knows it more. But Ezra's just amazing with animals in ways that not even Kanan can do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I totally got Obi-Wan vibes when he's, like, riding the pergola, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah, true Disney princess. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And I will probably talk a little bit more about the pergola in a spoiler section at the end, because mm. they do appear in later episodes as well. I feel like this, like, you know, I often measure a show in part by how much do I have to suspend my disbelief. Okay. And, like, a lot of this, a lot of these episodes, I'm like, cool, okay, I can go with this, I can go with this. This episode is probably the one in Rebels that, that takes me the closest to taking me out of it. Like, it's... Space Whales is a fun idea, but I don't <laughs> think, like, you can have, like, more than three seconds of logic thinking about it. And it, I mean, granted, it's the whole point. Like, none of us have ever been, like, to outside of a solar system. Just, like, empty space. And maybe it's a possibility. But I, I'm raising a serious eyebrow. Yeah. And especially since, like, Hera seems to have encountered them before. And they're kind of, like... Like, she, she talks about them like they're sort of, like, deer that people hit with their cars, and it's annoying and they're dangerous because mm-hmm. they just jump into the middle of hyperspace lanes. Um, oh, and, like, yeah, this whole rumor that they can, like, jump to light speed mm-hmm. is, yeah, odd. I don't know. I I didn't think about it too much because space whales. Um, I mean, they're super cute <laughs> and they're super fun. Like, I totally get that part. Like, Yeah. But, no, uh, I, I agree. It doesn't necessarily make sense although like i mentioned i think last week that i we started watching voltron legendary mm-hmm. defender and they also have a space whales plot line situation so like okay. i don't know i don't know where these space whales are coming from but it's a thing it's a thing people are into i don't know why yeah um yeah I mean, other than that there's really not that much that happens in the episode i mean it's a pretty straightforward like you know can we can we achieve our goal while also protecting these creatures who are there the guy who's the head of the mining... Like, there's some fun, like, adventure-type stuff, but I don't know if it, it adds too much to the story. Um, there's a very classic, like, mustache-twirling guy who just <laughs> wants to kill all the, the pergils. Um, yeah, I feel he's less mustache-twirling and more like... I don't know. I got, like, farmer upset that an- wild animal keeps eating his crop vibes. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, mustache-twirling in terms of, like, he has no redeeming features. He's just sure. the villain. But you're right. No, mustache-twirling should mean, like, the sort of, like... Mwahaha, I am being evil because the script wants me to be evil without any discernible reason for it. Yeah. Yeah, and he's I mean, like, he's clearly not the nicest dude, right? But I mean right. he's he's upset that the space whales keep eating his crop, which happens to mm-hmm. be fuel, and that like people are trying to steal his fuel. Yeah. Which I mean like fair, I guess. <laughs> you know. Everyone's got their point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. it's kinda of fun though to learn a little bit more about the whole fuel situation and like we definitely get some fun character moments as they're all kind of trying to deal with this. And also I just think it's an Ezra episode. It's one more mm-hmm. way to see like Ezra getting to, um, you know, do what he needs to do and take care of things. Yeah, uh, totally. With the animals especially. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Like this episode is, it, it's all just like Ezra set up basically. Yeah. Like here he is communing with his space whale friends. Exactly. I think that's about all I have to say about the episode. What about you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's it's mm-hmm. it's neat. I think, like, when we get to the spoilery section, I'll have more stuff to say about it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just, like, I mean, it's it's not a bad episode by any means. Fun little adventure story of this yeah. fuel heist. Um, I like that we get the rebels themselves having, like, different ideas. Oh, and I do, oh, man, there's, like, some Ezra, not Ezra, pardon me, um, Kanan being, like, 
kind of jackassy to Hera moments. Mm-hmm. Um, where, because he sort of sides with Ezra in, like, we don't need to kill the space whales. Right. And then when it turns out, like, we don't need to kill the space whales, she's like, he's like, oh, hey, babe, guess who didn't need to kill the space whales? Was it us? Did we, did we <laughs> not need to do it? Huh? How about that? Like, super, I told you so. Just like, mm-hmm. don't rub it in, Kanan. Come on. Well, and I'm glad you bring up that moment because, like, Hera is all about wanting to kill the space whales. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that, again, she's just like, maha, let's kill whales. It's like, these things are as far, to, to people who don't understand them, you know, they're kind of, they're thought of as a menace. Like, they can like, crash into ships, especially mm-hmm. in hyperspace. Like, they can do real damage. And so she's, she just sees them as, like, you know, dangerous. Mm-hmm. What I think is really funny, though, is that Ezra is decidedly on team. These are living beings. These are, like, you know, capable beings. They're worthy of life. And, like, we should protect them. That's not where Kanan is. No. Kanan doesn't want to kill them. But for her, it's him, it's about, like, I don't want to waste the fuel mm-hmm. of getting into a fight with them. Mm-hmm. I like him. It's much more practical. It's much more, you know, he doesn't have this like, oh, let's save the honor and dignity and the lives of the Pergils. And and that's just kind of fun because it's it's one more way where he's not a traditional Jedi that I really appreciate. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it is. It is good. Yeah. I mean, I, right. Like and the whole him and Hera kind of bickering moments are just like a fun mm-hmm. little, I don't know, coupley moment between them, even though we never Definitely. actually. Yeah. Definitely. Um, well, I think, well, that, that didn't take very long, so why don't we just do one more episode? Uh, yeah. so just, uh, full disclosure, Sarah and I may be recording, uh, two weeks worth of content in this one day. Uh, we're trying to decide on that. Uh, but so we watched a number of episodes and we're going to see how many we're doing. We've got so much more time. Let's go right into Homecoming and then we can do, uh, a bit of the, uh, uh, the spoiler section. Okay. Yeah. And I so. especially, like, the next, like, 17 and 18, I feel like we're going to want to talk about for a long time, so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's fair. All right, so 16. Homecoming. In order to provide a safe shelter for their fighters, uh, like, like uh, ships, not like people who fight, the Rebels plan to capture an Imperial carrier stationed currently above Ryloth, Hera's home planet. In order to pull the mission off, the Ghost crew contacts Hera's father, the famed Twilight Resistance fighter, Cham Syndulla, who we spent quite a lot of time with in the Clone Wars TV show. However, Cham desires to destroy this carrier as a demonstration of power and only grudgingly agrees to capture it. Hera later tells Ezra that she and her father are not on the best of terms, as Hera believes Cham is obsessed with the Twilight Resistance, while Cham believes Hera's faith in the Rebellion is misguided. Um, which I, I should say, by the way, that in part of that's because, like, the Republic flat out failed him a number of times in his like battles for Ryloth, including the Jedi. So he he has good reason to not be not trust them. Uh, piloting a captured Thai bomber, Hera successfully infiltrates the crew and Cham's team into the carrier, but Cham's team betrays them and moves to destroy the carrier. Ezra uses a Jedi mind trick on the captain to have the crew abandon ship, while Zeb and Sabine subdue Cham's men. Hera manages to convince Cham to help her and they destroy a pursuing Imperial cruiser, achieving the demonstration Cham wanted. After adding the carrier to the Rebel fleet, Hera and Cham reconcile the... After adding the carrier to the Rebel fleet, Hera and Cham reconcile the relationship before parting ways. Um, This is a fantastic episode. Mm-hmm. I really loved it. What would you think of this? Yeah, it, it struck a real chord with me for like mm-hmm. a lot of kind of personal issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's so, it's so good. And I love that we get to see more of who Hera is and mm-hmm. like, why maybe she's like, so 
committed to the rebellion. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like we we learned that like her her mom died at the hands of the mm-hmm. the empire basically. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's like this weird gray zone when they're kind of transitioning, right? When... Right, because like in theory, the empire was like the republic became the empire mm-hmm. in the official law, but like we know the empire was got was more like the not really more like the separatists, but like grew out of that in some ways, and mm-hmm. and so yeah, so to camp, but camp, it's just it's kind of the like. Um, uh, I, I think somewhat of Ryloth is kind of like Vietnam, you know, and that mm. they like they they uh, you know fight fight off the Japanese, and then they now have to deal with the French again. And then they fight off the French, and now they have to deal with the Americans, and uh, then deal with the Americans, and then like issues with the communist China. And like I think Chan, that's just it. It's just like he's just like we're just gonna kick whoever it is. We're gonna try and kick them out. You know, yeah. I'm not even bothered anymore. Yeah, yeah, and there's like other. Um... Yeah, like you said, the Clone Wars deals a lot with Ryloth and the politics. We get some mm-hmm. polit- political strife in Ryloth in um, Bad Batch, too, I believe. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but even, like, putting aside all, like, the sort of political reasoning, mm-hmm. just, like, Hera's relationship with her dad. Oh, it's so it's good. Like, yeah, and it's so crushing, especially, like, because Cham is this sort of, like, venerated war hero. Kanan's heard right. about him through the Jedi when they were mm-hmm. working together on, on Ryloth, right? So when he meets him he's got this like nervous energy and at first it's this like it's, it seems as though it's i'm nervous to meet my girlfriend's dad kind of energy yeah. right but then it turns out he's just like fangirling over cham mm-hmm. and as a war hero and i think like Hera's really crushed by that because yeah like kanan knows that Hera does not like her dad and she is not on good terms with him and then kanan even mm-hmm. says like oh just give him a chance like i see a lot of him in you which yeah. just feels like daggers. Like, uh, I don't know. And, and, like, as we see, he's right. But it's, it's that sort of thing where, like, you know, you and your parent or you and your sibling may be very similar, but, like, those similarities are actually a big part of why you fight all the time, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, I think it's such an interesting story, and it touches on so many issues about, like, you know, do you kind of, first of all, like, the whole thing of, you know, how do you balance fighting for a cause while fighting for your family? Because one of the issues is that he was pretty much an absentee father because what he cared about was freeing Ryloth, not, you know, helping his daughter. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, there's also another question of, so do you stay and fight for your home planet or do you go and fight as part of this broader resist- rebellion for everyone? And there's some things that were done in this episode that were just so subtle as ways of showing Hera's struggle. And one of them is that she code switches. Mm-hmm. You know, which she at one point, you know, he and a lot of Twi'leks have this kind of French accent type thing. Uh, a lot of other Twi'leks don't, especially those who are not living on Ryloth. And at one point, as she's getting into the conversation with him and getting upset with him, she starts switching into that accent. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I couldn't tell if the idea was that she's always trying not to do it, but here she just kind of like lets that down. Or if it's like that just being around him brings it back. Or if that she's like intentionally switching into it in order to kind of like try to get to him more but whatever it is it's like i mean i know that folks who are you know who kind of have come from one culture and then move into another one and and like there's lots of reasons why people code switch but especially in this kind of a story if someone who's like gone away from kind of the home culture but then goes back like code switching like this is a really big deal and can be really difficult have a lot of landmines and difficulties yeah oh i know like one of the most like heartbreaking things I felt is when I went home one year for Christmas and like could hear Canadian accents. 
Mm-hmm. And it was just like... Sorry. No, it's okay. Ugh. It's a hard, hard topic. Uh, sorry. We, it's we, also, we like, also gotten weirdly dark in here. Anyway. <laughs> I, I know you said something about his personal. We can totally move on to a different subject. No, it's good. I just like... My mom's coming too and things are weird. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, for me, I know like one of the most heartbreaking things I've experienced is like when I went home to Canada and I can could hear Canadian accents. Because mm-hmm. like you hear about Americans like making fun of us saying sorry instead of sorry and all that kind of stuff and or like about and a boot. And I'm like, that's all just made up. Like there's no way yeah. I can't hear that. I grew up in Canada. I live in America now. We sound the exact same. Canadian accents are a myth. And then I went home and my family, all my friends, they sounded different to me. And I was just like, it stung. It felt like it wasn't my home anymore. Yeah. Um, And I know like the code switching thing, I do think it was done really, really well. Um, And I think like, like for me, when I'm back home for a while, I do just start speaking with my Canadian accent again. And Mm -hmm. it disappears basically like as soon as I get back home or back to America um so yeah and I I love the way that it comes out when she's like fighting with him and getting into this heated argument I don't think it's she's kind of constantly trying to subdue it right because she is she's been gone for a long time it totally makes sense that she would lose her accent and that like being around her dad talking with her in this heated moment yeah it brings it right back um yeah I love the title of the like the, the episode's title is Homecoming, right? And this idea of, like, mm-hmm. is coming home. But, like, she's not... She's not really. Because this isn't really her home anymore, right. right? It was her home. But since she's made her home, like, on the ghost with her new family, with Kanan. And this is just, like, the place that she used to live. I don't know. Yeah, I'm projecting think, a lot. But... No, and I'm fair. I mean, I, I have... Um, I never really felt like I had a New York accent. And I don't think I do. But I definitely have New York speech patterns, you know, mm. and like when I last time uh, when my, my partner Mary and I went to New York City for a week for my sister's wedding, among other things. First of all, yeah, like and I, I had this before because I've been gone for quite a while, but I definitely noticed my father's accent mm. more than I normally do. And like all of the sort of uncles and I mean, some of them have very thick New York Brooklyn accents. And I always noticed that, but I was much more aware of it this time. But also, like, I didn't pick up an accent, but Mary at one point had to be like, Matthew, can you slow down? You're mm. speaking about, like, 50% faster than you normally <laughs> do. Because it's just, yeah, it's the, it's the New York vocal pattern. Mm-hmm. Like, I have worked very consciously since I moved to the Midwest to slow down, to not interrupt all the time. Because um, on the East Coast, that's considered polite, and mm-hmm. here it's really not. Um, you know, different forms of active listening. Um, and, yeah, I, I think part of what I like about it so much is that no one mentions it. Mm-hmm. what Hera does in the code switching you know yeah. that like there's never the moment where Kanan says hey you're slipping into that accent like it just happens mm-hmm. and if you know what code switching is or if you don't know that term for it but you've seen it like it's going to register for you or maybe you're kind of thinking like why does she does do this for some it might go totally over their heads and that's okay too but it's just if you know what to look for or if it like makes you curious and you ask about it it's such a great detail mm-hmm. yeah yeah and like I don't know. Even there's another like little moment where like Tam is talking about Chopper and this is okay. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily love their reconciliation at the end because I think like Tam hasn't really earned it. Um, Like he 
he basically has just gone along with his daughter and her like kooky little friends, but he's still going to do his own plan the whole time right. and just like betrays her because he doesn't believe in her or her cause. Right. Um, and he just calls Chopper like your droid. Oh, this is like your little droid that you played with as a kid. Weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end when he's come around, basically because like he doesn't really have much of a choice. It seems, but I mean, like, of course, it's true. But I think I think it's that he does come to really recognize her and like remember that like, like it may be like you know the lack of a choice, but it does very much seem like um he really has a change of heart about her. Yeah, but he still calls Chopper droid, right? Like if he would have called him like Chopper or even like C one, <laughs> like C one ten P, go for it. Like mm-hmm. it, it just like is the subtle little dig that's like you don't. You still think she's just like a little kid playing games. I think for those of us who have not spent so much time thinking about droid rights and droid <laughs> abilities, it droid may rights. not it may not be in any conscious way like that. But I think you're definitely right that I think on the personal level, I think Cham was a terrible father, and I think Cham has never had faith in her the way he should, and betraying them I think is completely not okay. Mm-hmm. I think I do have some sympathy for Cham, though, because, first of all, like, in everything in Clone Wars, like, he's just constantly getting, uh, you know, the, the rebellion, uh, the, the Republic promises in one thing, and then they don't deliver, and the Separatists do terrible things. But one of the things also that happened to them a lot was he would say, look, I want to protect Ryloth. I want to help Ryloth. And often he'd get the message of, like, well, but actually, like, Ryloth is just one part of a larger battle. Mm -hmm. And so you need to be thinking about the larger battle. Mm -hmm. And, which there's some truth to, but also, because, again, it's about the Jedi being, like, you know, becoming callous and hard-hearted. Sometimes it's kind of like, yeah, so we're we're not going to prioritize Ryloth, and we're not going to focus on it as much. And I think given that, and also given that, like, there is, I think it's a, a trope you've seen in other places of... The sort of the big, powerful, like, uber-rebellion kind of being like, okay, well, you really care about your one planet and your one battle, but that's not central to us, so we're not going to help you, mm-hmm. or we're going to ask you to do something totally different. And the people are like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. So, like, so I guess to... Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it has, like, second-wavey feminist vibes of, like, mm. okay, first we're going to, like, liberate the white women, and then that'll be good for everybody. Like, y'all got... Right. It'll just come along naturally. Don't worry about it. Right. It's like, I am worried about it. Um... Yeah, totally. And I, I imagine that, like, Cham also feels super betrayed that Hera left, right? Right. Um, so he's probably got his own his own feelings about it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I... But, like, I'm definitely more on Team Hera than Team Cham, but I, <laughs> I have enough sympathy for why he's upset mm-hmm. that I feel like he's not done with his journey of reconciliation, but I do feel like yeah. he's made some very big steps, given that he had, like, like... I do think that there's something value. I think symbolic victories are very important for motivating people, you know? And I think it's set up as though it's a silly thing, but I think his goal of like, I want my people to see the destruction of the ship that's been in orbit for Mm -hmm. however long, you know, that's a legit goal. And so I I really appreciate that they get to, it's not that he's just like, fine, I'll give up on that to help you in your battle. He does get to like destroy a ship. The TIE bomber. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, I feel like we could have come to this compromise using words instead of betrayal (laughs) right because like Hera's explaining hey listen we need this ship for Mm -hmm. the rebellion like i get that you want to make a big symbolic gesture but like let's not blow up this thing that is very valuable and that we could use and really need to use right now 
And they could have just, right. like, had a little chat and been like, okay, what if we blow up something else instead? It's like, yeah, cool. Sounds good. Yeah. I hear that. I think hear that. But, I mean, yeah, that's not really fun to watch on TV, so. <laughs> I mean, also true. Also. Yeah, but, I mean, I, guess I also do feel like, I don't know, I, I'm too I'm maybe too much of a champ stand here. Um, but, like, <laughs> you know, because I think he's a terrible father. But I think, I don't know, uh you know, resistance topic tactics and things like that. Not necessarily like military, but just the extent to which like how much you're fighting your own particular fight versus fighting the larger fights and how much you know, it, it, I think these are just topics that are very much on my mind lately. And so Cham is just one that I'm uh, sympathetic to, even though not a good father. Oh, totally. And I have like a huge grudge against bad dads. So like, I, I, I acknowledge I, that that's, I'm, I'm with you my there. bias. Definitely, yeah. definitely with you there. Uh, all right, so I think that's, again, a pretty good place to wrap up the episode. Any other last thing about this? Um, no, I think we, we we covered all my issues. Okay. So thank you all so much for listening. If you're going to check out now uh, because you don't want to be here in the spoiler section, totally great. Remember that if you want to find my other podcasts, if you go to theethicalpanda.com, you'll find everything about that. Also, you'll find our contact information. Uh, we love getting emails. We're getting some great comments, tweets, Facebook messages. Uh, I'm going to read some out probably for our next episode. Love keeping them in. Uh, Let me in a part of the conversation with you all. So on behalf of myself and Sarah, uh, thank you all so much. Have a good day. And now we'll enter into the spoiler section in three, two, one. Space whales are going to come back. Yeah. 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 Knowing that the space whales come back to rescue Ezra and and kind of like take him and Thrawn into some extra dimensional thing. Yeah. Which which clearly like we're setting up that I think a lot of the Ahsoka show is going to be about that in some way. I hope so. Yeah. It was just great to see them show up again here. Totally. Yeah. Well, and like, cause this is only my second time watching through it. So when I watched the call the first time I was like, space whales, neat. Obi-Wan Kenobi vibes. Mm-hmm. And that was about it. And then like watching it again, knowing that he gets like saved slash mm-hmm. abducted by these space whales. I'm like, Oh, right. oh they're so meaningful to you. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, especially because, and I know earlier I was saying that I, I, it strains my ability to believe, and that's true, but I think the flip side of it is that, that maybe that's kind of supposed to be the point, because it's supposed to be like, you know, people think that all their technology, all their force use, like, mm-hmm. we just know everything, we figured out everything. And so to have this thing exist that doesn't make any sense to our own rules of why it should exist, it's hard to swallow because it makes no sense, but it's maybe also a nice reminder of like, yeah, there's just... Who knows what you're going to find out Yeah. There. It's like, space is really, 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 really big. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, mind-blowingly, incomprehensibly big. There's a whole lot of nothing in it, but there's probably a whole lot of everything else as well, right? And we just yeah. don't know. And, yeah, even this, I mean, like, when we were talking about Lyrasan, right? Even the idea that it's on the outer, outer rim through like right. a weird black hole field like is a black hole field even a thing that you could navigate what but yeah it's i i i like the idea of the space whales i don't think mm-hmm. i'm as i, I think I'm, i can spend suspend enough disbelief to mm-hmm. just be like yeah cool space whales why not that um home. but yeah i i mean i i get why you're like like what do they eat are there space yeah. krill <laughs> yeah i mean but i've had that back to this huge creature that lives on an asteroid where there's no life growing whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I have no idea what it eats, you know? Yeah. Um, but it eats ships. There we go. And weren't there, like, Minox inside of it or something? Anyway, yeah. Yeah, but I think that's more just kind of like the parasites that live in your gut, you know? Like, mm. you're not eating those. They're just helping you digest. Yeah, um, okay. All right, any other last things you want to say as part of the spoiler section? I think that was the only big thing I wanted to 
chip in with? Um, yeah, related to this stuff, yeah. I guess I had to like, I don't know. I've been reading fan fiction, um, so I, I had to like re- refresh my what's actually real and what is uh-huh. just yeah some some uh, some creators' ideas so, of how this ends. But yeah, uh, is it fan fiction? Like obviously it's like the slash one, Hondo Anaka, and who? Uh, not Hondo. Okay, no, because none of them <laughs> happen to be Hondo Anaka and Sarah Hayashi. Tragically, that's. Um, I, I also like. I, I mean, I have great respect for fan fiction writers. Many of them are very, very good. I wouldn't trust anyone, but not Nave Dave Filoni, to write Hondo Anaka. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, there's like, um, yeah, well, there's like stuff that deals with, um, like Hera and uh kanan and like jason i'm like who the heck is jason because i forgot that they had a kid it's like Mm. a whole yeah a whole thing and then i was like oh right ezra and thrawn go down on space whales wild um they get captured by space whales that particular phrase yeah yeah there we go talking about that that was a different fan fiction that i read (laughs) oh my yes yes they well like there's like the space whales save them they're like falling and the whales, like, jump out, save them, and then hyperspace away, right? Is that what happens? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. something like that. And, like, yeah, it's so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, but, yeah, just going back and watching it and seeing, because I think a part of that is that, to some extent, Ezra summons them. And so see, being reminded yeah. that he has this, like, initial connection with him that's really strong. Yeah. Uh, really powerful for me. And, like, in, oh, gosh, I don't even know. It's not the Mining Guild one. Maybe in, like, an, another episode coming up shortly, he, like, summons, no, no. I think I'm talking, mm. I'm, doesn't, they're like one of the, like the bat things. No, it's just the whale again. I'm confused. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but yeah, yeah. The fact that he, and he's the only one who can hear them. Like he hears their, mm-hmm. their whale song. Doesn't really know how to describe it. Yeah. Has this like mind link with them. Yeah. Ezra and the space whales. And it's nice, I think also because it's, you know, kind of referenced it. Um, the, there's an episode we'll be wa- that we will be watching next week where he, there's even more of the kind of like, uh, oh, no, wait, hold on a second. No, because the first one had... Uh, yeah, seventeen, which we're gonna be watching, is like the Callus Seb. Also, we need a giant spoiler section for. Right. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, the romance begins. Uh, let me take the whole thing again. Yeah. So I think that was a big thing in the spoiler section. I want to talk about also just getting to see Ezra be like coming into his own that he can do things that Kanan can't. You mm-hmm. know, it's just a really nice dynamic. Um, so yeah, really appreciate it. Uh, all right. Well, uh, listeners, again, thank you so much. Uh, Sarah, if people are in the mood for uh, some ceramics for uh, gifts coming up or maybe your early Mother's Day shopping or any of that stuff, uh, what, what do you got on, on Star? Yeah, um, you, I've, I'm trying to see if I can forego Etsy. So you can check me out on my Instagram, Sarah Hayashi Art is my handle, and I'll be doing little sales there. I might end up putting things on Etsy, which is Etsy slash shop slash Hayashi Ceramics. Um, so keep an eye on there. But I'll post on Instagram about it if I do. So Instagram's cool. the best way to follow me. Awesome. Yeah, definitely check that out. Like I said, I gave some of those Christmas gifts. They were very well received. Uh, check out all the other stuff that I'm doing on TheEthicalPanda.com. And most importantly, have a nice day. Bye.